0: We are moving into uh, another section of the I am st- sayings that are found in the Gospel of John. Um, if you've ever spent much time in the Bible, you kind of see this pattern shows up in this Gospel. Uh, it's the Gospel that a lot of people find a lot of comfort in because it's so, uh, so stunning in the ways that it portrays God in such a gentle and pastoral manner. Um, and at the center of the Gospel is uh, is a is a series of um, statements that Jesus makes about who he is as the good shepherd, and by I mean the center. I mean in John ten and John's John's got um, about half half again as many uh, um, chapters in it, so it's just right there in the middle, and. I've uh, taken a lot of time and reflected on this theme that uh, we're going to be talking about today, uh, I am the good shepherd. Now last week, if you gathered with us, we looked at the I am statement, uh, I am the gate. uh, And right alongside that is this notion of the good shepherd. And you guys, if you're here last week, you remember watching a couple videos, one of which you're probably traumatized by, but you came back anyway. So glad for that. and, uh, and, and what I want to do is uh, I want to peek again at John 10, only we're going to go a little bit farther in it and, and see just how much the, the Good Shepherd makes a difference in your life and mine. So there's a so what element to it. Before I get into it, though, um, I wanted to just say, just do a plug for the, for the choir. Um, one thing I've noticed is we have a very robust choir program happening here. And, um, and I, I would attribute that to, um, uh, really, um, the, the humble diligence of Attila and Jackie. And I, if I were coming into a church and I were a little bit insecure about my voice, uh, there is no other person that, that I think I would wanna, I'd want as my choir director than Attila, who I don't know how well you know him. He's an enthusiast. You know what I mean? He's enthusiastic about plants, about people, about music, about life. And the people who go into the choir uh, setting, I think all the notions of of it being stuffy and maybe self-righteous people in there, you know, and all that, that maybe you're thinking choirs are like that. You don't have any of that going on there. It's more like Attila's going to look at you and he's going to say, how well do you blend? And then he's just going to help pull that out. And then as you learn to really blend well, because he has a way of pouring some magic onto the thing, and all of a sudden you find that I didn't think I could sing a lick, and then I'm here and, man, I feel pretty good about singing. Would you say that's the experience that you have if you're in the choir? Yeah. And so I think it's important to say that uh, because it's, it's one of many ways that we can take the faith that God's given us and find expression and help each other with that. So um, uh, the, the, there, there are no barriers here. Uh, Attila will do everything he can to disarm any notions of, of it not being uh, um, uh, uh, You know, a fit for you. Uh, So, uh, there, there really aren't any excuses. I guess is what I'm trying to say. If, if God's prodding you, um, there's nothing there that uh, you'll find uh, that will, that that will bar the way. Uh, So, encourage you that way. As one of the shepherds of the flock, uh, I'm sure we've heard about the shepherd's voice, which we're getting ready to listen to. But I wonder uh, if all the sheep sound the same. Because in a group, they do sound the same, but they each probably have their own unique voice. And that's how God made us fearfully and wonderfully in his image, but we're all different. And yet we are here because we hear the voice of the shepherd and we're drawn in. So I want to kick it off by showing another video of what exactly that means and how that can apply to what we're going to be experiencing in uh, the I am the good shepherd statement that Jesus makes. So let's go ahead and show that. One more time. One more time. (laughs) Ha (laughs) Ha 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 Is that cool or what? Oh yeah! <laughs> you will never have the same again. Oh my god! How can you <laughs> leave <laughs> the woodwork I'm firmly convinced as, I, as I've done some background studies on uh, shepherds and their sheep in the Middle East, uh, both modern and in ancient times, uh, that there are so many correspondences between the behavior of the sheep and the behavior of us, God's people, that it was almost irresistible uh, for God to say, you know what, if you want to try to, in your mind, imagine who I am, The best image is that of a shepherd. Because not only are there so many characteristics that define us as we compare our lives to that of sheep. There are also numerous characteristics that define God as we compare who he is to the imagery of a shepherd. And Jesus wants to take that and allow that to soak into our minds and our imaginations. Uh, thereby, whenever we go and we come before the Lord with a concern or a worry. Or something that we're second-guessing our relationship with Him, or maybe we're wondering, is God, you know, is He gonna, is He gonna zap me for the sins that I've committed, or is He gonna uh, keep His distance? And 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 in a way. Um, uh, show up or not show up uh, in an unpredictable fashion. And the reason I mention all of those things is because there was a time when my view of God was, I'm not really sure who you are. Am I? Are you so fearful and, and so inclined to judgment and and really just destroying me as a sinner that um, you're not approachable? Or are you so so loving and so kind that uh, doesn't matter what I do, you'll always love me and everything in between? And then I have my days where I wonder, God, where are you? Uh, you see all the stuff that I'm being called to do, and I'm working through this. And I'm asking myself, are you even here? And I'll tell you, I found the clearest answers for my own understanding of who God is through all of the shepherd texts in the Bible. And the one that is premier, I think you all know it, is the 23rd Psalm. And in so many ways, it answers all of those questions Especially the one whenever you're asking God, where are you? And when David said, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, he goes from talking about the Lord in the third person to the Lord in the first person. You are with me. And I want you to know that God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And Clearly, there are things about our lives that show the foolishness of, of of our of our sheep nature. We do dumb things. We fall for uh, the lies of the deceiver. Uh, we're vulnerable to the effects of wolves and and other threatening elements like thieves and. Jesus sees us in all of that um, vast array of what we lack, and his compassion is, is, is always there and strong. And as uh, we get into our text, I want to just help you to grasp that, hopefully, so that your view of God will clarify some. And uh, and so, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at John chapter 10 once again. And I'm going to go a little bit further than I did last week. But here's what we read. uh, And it's a little bit of a recap. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture." The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. And what I want to do next is I I want to kind of put ourselves in the... In, in the minds of the people that were hearing what Jesus said. Now, I'm, I'm guessing based on what I asked last week, none of us have worked as shepherds in a sheep pen. Any, any of us? Okay. Uh, I'm assuming that that remains the same. So it's hard for us to relate to what Jesus is saying because we have no firsthand knowledge do, do we? Of that experience. I mean, many of you who've worked in the workforce can say, you know whenever I did this particular job I could tell you every facet of the job. Um, and that's kind of what Jesus expected his hearers to know is that most of them had some familiarity with the experience of the life of a shepherd. And they clearly knew how a sheep would behave uh, under varying circumstances. And when Jesus came upon the scene, uh, in a lot of ways, he projected that he was the good shepherd. There's some scriptures that are found in other accounts of the gospels that, that really show that. And one of them is, and I believe it's in Luke chapter 6, where Jesus comes and he sees the people without a shepherd, and he goes into the mountain, uh, the, the hilly areas, and, and he leads them uh, to, uh, to, to, to the Word of God, and, and he teaches thousands and thousands of people only as that process unfolds uh, the, the the people are getting hungry and they need someone to provide food for them and there is no resource for that. And yet Jesus as the shepherd begins to feed the masses miraculously. He provides the necessary nourishment, not only from the word but also the physical needs that they had uh, with loaves and bread. And what a lot of scholars have said is if you you read Luke chapter six in that encounter, you see the experience of Jesus parallels the description of the twenty-third Psalm, and there's another passage of Scripture in Luke chapter fifteen, where you have you you have the, the the lost coin, um, and you have the lost sheep, and uh, you have these the this telling of a of a, of a shepherd um, figure that actually. Uh, uh, rescues a lost son. And it, in a lot of ways, the theme scholars have said parallel once again the 23rd Psalm. You know, the Psalm that says the Lord is my shepherd. And I think what Jesus was trying to show is that the very shepherd that was so beloved in, 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 in the Psalms and in the writings of the Old Testament, that very shepherd has come in bodily form as a human being to portray to people in a way that they could fully grasp that this is God's heart and this is God's posture towards you. And as John is telling this, it is so rich and it is so embedded with imagery for us to kind of ponder. um, The the Jewish people, whenever they told their theology, they wouldn't do it like, okay, here's bullet point number one, here's bullet point number two, here's bullet point number three. They would tell their theology, that is their understanding of who God is uh, through story and through parable. And you just had had to meditate on it so that it could become part of your own understanding and it's foreign to the way we do things I could do a three point sermon and give you just the three facts or I could engage your hearts and your minds in a way that says yeah that, that resonates with me and what John wanted to do was exactly that. He wanted to say, this is who Jesus was in his depiction as he walked with us. And he told what Jesus said in that, in that telling uh, to people that um, long after Jesus had died and was resurrected and ascended, long after that, who were wanting to hear who Jesus was and how he was the Son of God, wanted to hear what kind of God is it that we worship, and John would say, don't look any farther than this. Now, some of you, when you think about who God is, and I asked last week, when I say the word, um, you know, when I say the word Attila, what do you think of? <clears throat> Choir director, husband, father, plant enthusiast. Um, you know, when I see my friend John Panzot, I think of elder, husband, father, and uh, grandfather and golfer, and uh, Hispanic tutor extraordinaire. When I say the word God, what do you think of? And I know that outside of this building, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of voices that are calling out to you saying, this is who God is. Or they're saying, you need to devote all of your time and energy and attention to this so it can become your God. And John knew us well enough to realize that we're easily distracted. And we're easily seduced into going places that are are, are not good. If you're here last week, you're probably still having some PTSD from the second video I showed you uh, of, of of the sheep that had gone astray and then fallen over a ledge and it could have been a three foot ledge or a 300 foot ledge we don't know and how horrifying it is to think of what happens when a sheep begins to follow other voices and the peril that happens and I'm guessing that some of us from time to time have listened to other voices that were not the authoritative voice of God and we found ourselves straying. The good news is one of the reasons why God portrays himself as a shepherd is because of the the predicament that sheep get themselves into. Did you know that when a sheep strays from the the herd and it gets lost and it's crying out, that as a self-protective measure, what it'll do is it'll go hide in a bush or in a thicket somewhere to try to kind of conceal itself from predators but here's the other thing that the sheep does that isn't so self-preservational it'll just start bleeding b-l-e-e-t-i-n-g i mean it'll be carrying on help me help me help me in its own sheep language the problem is as soon as the sheep is saying that there are two sets of ears that are listening one is that of the wolf because the wolf is thinking, ah, there's a sheep in distress that has been uh, disconnected from the sheepfold and the shepherd. And so that's pretty fair game. And the other one is of the shepherd who listens to the voice of the sheep and recognizes that there's a lost one. We have, we have, we have, we have 99 here, but there's, there's one out there. And so he... he 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 ensures that the ones here are safe, and then he goes and he listens to that voice, and he follows it to that place where that sheep is found in distress and sometimes it is just a race against the voice of the shepherd and the and 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 and, and the um and the stealth and the cunning of the wolf and as God is looking at us, he sees that We don't live in a neutral situation either. Now, we don't have to worry about wolves per se, but we do have to worry about voices that find a way of drawing us out of the safety and protection of the shepherd. Some of us... Have gone to those places where we've gone beyond the boundary of that protection and that care and we've suffered the consequences we've we've gotten caught up in things that almost kept us captive to the point where we couldn't escape and yet the shepherd is always looking out for the sheep And I'm guessing I could have some of you come forward and you would say, I was that person. I had an addiction problem, or I was that person. I was just kind of blinded in my thinking and kind of living for myself, but everything was falling apart. And I was caught up in that, and I couldn't see any other way. And there are many of us who just say, you know, I was just caught up in a way of thinking that I was just stuck in a rut, and I never could quite work my way out. And then the shepherd... The shepherd came in and somehow, whether it is through a still small voice or whether it is through the nudging of friends around you who love you, or perhaps it is just through you saying, I've got to start reading the word and listening to the voice of the shepherd. And there are other means I know, but it's God's way of using a variety of of, of methods, I guess, of, of calling us back in. And we're here because the shepherd in one form or another saw us in distress and rescued us. Because the fact of the matter is, we do not have the capacity to rescue ourselves from the forces that keep us enslaved. And those forces were actually clearly at work in Jesus' day. They were of all people the religious establishment, the people that should have been, they should have been um, uh, co-workers with the mission of the shepherd. But for whatever reason, they decided to take religion and use it as a means for, for their own greed, for their own power, for their own control. And Jesus called them out on it. It made them very uncomfortable to the point where John begins to describe in the chapters that follow how as Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. John plots out exactly how that happened. Now, if you were, now, if you were a Palestinian uh, person who lived in a rural area and you heard this, you would say, oh, so much of this makes so much sense. And here's what you would hear. You would, you would know that the, that the shepherd's job is to take sh- sheep out during the day. And for you know f- for several hours, they spend the day just munching on the grass. And the shepherd is there with his rod and his staff. And he's fighting off potential predators. And he's ensuring their safety while they graze. And if they're having to graze far away from the normal pen, that they will have to be holed up in a, in a cave. And the shepherd will have to lay down in the front. Of the cave, so that the sheep can't get out and and predators can't get in. He also knew that it, sometimes they would do it in groups where shepherds and their sheep would be all corralled together. And so they would build a makeshift pen that was made out of, um, um, you know, different shrubs and, and, and just things that are floating around in the landscape. And then on top of that pen, they would put um, all of the briars and brambles and thorns so that uh, wolves couldn't jump in and, uh, and, 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 and kill the sheep. And again, they would lay down in the front of the... Of, of of the entryway so that nothing could get in or get out. And what Jesus says is there are thieves that are in play because a shepherd can be pulling or he can be, there are two kinds of shepherds. There are shepherds that drive the sheep. That is they get behind them and they force them to do things. And then there are the good shepherds who stand in front. And because The sheep know that the good shepherd has their best interest in mind. They will just follow. And many times they have to follow through rocky and and tavernous areas in the Middle East. And the thieves would hide in a crevice. And the shepherd may be up in front... And the thieves would hide in a crevice and as the sheep are going by, they would just grab one and they would pull it aside. And no one would know any different until later on when they did a counting of the sheep. Oh, the thieves have come and they've, they've taken one of our own. The wolves are, are a little bit more direct. You see, oftentimes when the wolves would encounter the sheep in those temporary enclosures, they would be hungry like everyone else. And they would be looking for opportunities to get at the sheep. But they also knew that the way the, 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 the makeshift structure uh, was designed, that they couldn't jump over it without uh, injuring themselves from the thorns. And so there was only really one way that they could get in. And that is to attack the shepherd. And Jesus said, the wolves are coming to attack. And he basically said, they did. The wolves came and they attacked Jesus. The wolves were the the religious establishment. But it went a little bit farther than that because the wolves actually wanted to outsource the destruction of the Good Shepherd through, um, uh, through that ominous presence that was in their country. The Roman Empire. And so the thieves and the wolves basically gave Jesus over to the big wolf who was representative of powers and principalities that were working behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. And it became clear that as Jesus had to fight the wolves, that the battle would cost him his life. And the interesting thing that John does is he tells us about how the thieves are working. He tells us about how the wolves are trying to get in. He tells us all of these things that describe us listening to the voice of the shepherd and how we are under threat and how the shepherd is so concerned about the well-being of the sheep that he would lay down his life for them. And then we find that The shepherd loses his life. But you know, John doesn't go into any detail to talk about what happened because the scene is one that they were pretty familiar with. It would be at night. The shepherd would hear the wolf coming. The shepherd would go out with the staff or its club and it would try to knock the wolf uh, away or hit the wolf in the head or do something that would uh, create a mortal blow. And, and, And it's just this imagery of... The wolf comes and he begins to attack and the shepherd swings and he misses and the wolf goes for the jugular and kills the shepherd. What we see instead is a bloodstained cross that is the remnant of that attack. And when the disciples heard this after the fact, it was very easy for them to say, wow, That is our God. That is how much our God loves us. And for many of us, we've grown up with various images of who we think God is. But did you know for the first 400 years of the church, people because of the of the roman power structure that was in place and how christianity actually became a, an illegal religion people met in catacombs or they met in secret places or they met in places that were clandestine so that they could worship we meet in places that like this are very overt and very bold and very much saying to everybody this is where you worship god but back then They had to be pretty secretive about their gatherings. And what they discovered is many of the places that they gathered were were actually places that they they consistently went to. So much to the point that they began to decorate these catacombs and these locations. And as they did, they had depictions of who they thought God was. And the interesting thing is, as important as it is to think about the cross of Jesus... Did you know the three main images that consistently showed up when people thought "This is our beloved God. The images were that of the fish uh, which um, which is an acronym, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. There was also the depiction of the vine, and we know in the scripture. The life of the of, of, of the vine is sourced in, 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 in how the vine produces everything necessary for the grapes uh, to happen, and that stuck in their mind, but the image that 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 constantly showed up in the archaeological digs for four centuries was that of a shepherd with a sheep around his neck, and he 's just gently. Um, a proceeding or his countenance is is that of joy after the 4th century then crosses started showing up all over the place but until then the cross wasn't the primary image that people processed who they thought God was now don't get me wrong the cross is extremely important it's what Paul preached but the image of who they thought of as the person of God was that of a shepherd the means by which the shepherd rescued us was through the cross. The cross is a very sacred symbol of the, uh, of the way that Jesus died, but also Jesus broke the curse and the bondage that keeps us caught in the, in the shrubbery or in the bondage of life, crying out for rescue the cross is a message to us that says this my friends is how much God loves you now in John chapter 10 he says I lay down my life for the sheep and he had to but I take it up again because the father gives me the authority to do so and so the good shepherd was always tuned to the father's voice and in John, you will never see Jesus doing anything without first asking the Father. And the reason why Jesus did that is for us to see that the things we do in life should find their their, their alignment and, and, and their agreement and, and, and their resonance with the things of God. So if you're getting ready to do something, you're getting ready to make a big commitment, you're getting ready to think about getting a job, or you're getting ready to um, uh, begin a new chapter in your life or you're just dealing with something in the moment wherever it is that you're at Jesus is saying listen to the voice of the shepherd and he will never steer you wrong now where I'm going to end this message is how at the latter part of the chapter in verses 27 and 28 Jesus says all of this makes a difference So here's what we we read. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I honestly believe you are here because in some way, through some means, whether it's through other people, the word of God, myself, the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you're saying I need to be in worship today. Now for some of you it may be your spouse saying we need to be in worship today but however it is we listen to the voice of God and we follow him I give them not just life I give them eternal life and they shall never perish no one will snatch them out of my hand my father who has given them to me is greater than all no one can snatch them out of my father's hand I and the father are one how secure does that make you feel God is looking at you and He's saying, I'm here to protect you, not only through this life, but into the life to come. And for some of us, we've felt that protection. We've seen how God's worked in our lives to help us with things that could have been very threatening. Sometimes we do go through death defying experiences, sometimes we even die. But the Good Shepherd said, not to worry. Because even there, I will rescue you. You catch that? How does the 23rd Psalm end? Surely goodness and mercy? What kind of God do we have? Is he filled with goodness and mercy? Goodness and mercy shall do what? Follow me. Maybe goodness and mercy is another way of just describing the protective presence of God. Follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. It's a pretty long time, isn't it? You know, Jackie and I have learned to get along because we know we're going to be together forever. And it's amazing, isn't it? You know, we went from sort of making fun of each other to to actually, you know, kind of liking each other. Not in the way you think, Paul, so don't be jealous. But it, 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 it's just God's way of working in us and through us with mercy, which we need, and goodness, which we lack. And he makes us into a new people as the shepherd. The shepherd's job is not only to nourish us in the physical sense, but to nourish our souls in such a way that no matter what, we live in a place that is healthy in him, guided by him, protected by him, and ultimately preserved through him. And isn't it wonderful to know that when you think of God, that's who he says that I am. I hope you leave here with a refreshed understanding of who he is. I want you to know that he is following you, all of you. And he's wanting his goodness and mercy to flow into your lives. But he also, in our case, respects us enough to not force us into doing something that we don't want to do. He's not going to stand behind us and force us into a place, but he's going to go in front of us and he's going to woo us into a way of life that is so compelling because his love for us uh, makes it so. I hope you know the love of God. And I hope as people of God, The love of God can flow through your lives into the lives of people around you. And perhaps through you, they can see the way to the good shepherd. That's really a big part of our job here. Would you bow with me? Father, as we take this moment and we allow our spiritual mind's eye to grasp the characteristics that define who you are, that are summarized so beautifully in the image of a shepherd. I just pray that if there are ways in each of our minds that that, that, that keep us from seeing that, that you would not let the thief steal that understanding away from us, but rather you would, through your mercy, give us that vision of who you are and help us to not only know it intellectually, but help us to just know it in our being. That when we go to you in prayer, whether it is just through a daily ritual or whether it is through an hour of need, that you are compassionate and you are there to care for us. And you are there to protect us from the wolves, from the thieves, and from ourselves. And we thank you, Father, that your goodness and mercy is following everyone in this room and you hold out a promise for us uh, that through your son Jesus and the bloodstained cross that he laid down his life for us that we might in him live forever. May your word spread. May your, 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 the, the love of Jesus through the imagery of the good shepherd flow into the lives of people who really need to hear that. So I lift everyone up here in our various stages of journey with you, and pray, Father, that you would just continue to lead us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.